This Christmas season, as I was browsing through websites trying to find gift ideas for family, I came across this one advertisement, and I quote, are you looking for a unique personal gift to give this holiday season? Something that helps someone make incredible discoveries about themselves and shows your interest in them and in their journey. This is the perfect gift for that person in the family who seems impossible to shop for. Because an ancestry DNA kit is the one gadget even your uncle doesn't have. This gift gives families something to talk about other than the football game, opening up new conversations and deepening relationships. I did not end up purchasing one of these personal, unique gifts, but the wording stuck with me. Help someone make incredible discoveries about themselves. This site was promising, the more you learn about your ancestors, the more you will learn about yourself. I think the author of Matthew would agree. Matthew starts his account of the life and ministry of Jesus by first taking the time to list out Jesus's full genealogy. I bet some of you are wondering why Jay had to read that long, cumbersome, boring list of names this morning. It was not just to pick on Jay or to test him on what he learned in seminary. But having said that, Jay, you did a tremendous job pronouncing those names this morning. I also bet this is not a passage of scripture that many of you dwell on. Instead, I bet it's most of the time skimmed over. But this morning, we're gonna take a closer list look at this list of names. A list of names that represents the people of God and their stories. That represents the history of God that has already been at work in the world, leading up to the moment of Jesus' birth. This list of names is setting the stage for the kind of savior that Jesus is going to be a descendant of kings, leaders, reformers, a descendant of a strong, God-fearing Jewish line, a descendant of human sinners who made mistakes, a descendant of persevering Gentile women. Matthew's genealogy, unlike the one given in Luke, names five women in the ancestry line of Jesus. Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, the wife of Uriah, also known as Bathsheba, and Mary, mother of Jesus. While we do read some genealogies in the Old Testament that include women, 
This is not a common practice. And these are not the women we would expect to be named. We might anticipate the matriarch Sarah, or Leah and Rachel, but instead we hear, Jesus is from the bloodline of Tamar, Ruth, Rahab, the wife of Uriah, and Mary. And we're invited to revisit the stories of these women in order to better comprehend Jesus's legacy. The Canaanite Tamar, who after the passing of her husband, took unconventional actions in order to ensure his line. And in so doing, receiving the title of righteous. The Canaanite Ruth, the Canaanite Rahab, who turned from her people and well-known profession in order to help God's people have victory over Jericho, her own land. The Moabite Ruth, who refused to leave her mother-in-law's side even when there was no hope to be seen who followed bold instructions in a foreign land in order to ensure their futures. The wife of the honorable Uriah, a Hittite, Bathsheba, who mothered a child only after facing great trouble, powerlessness, and loss, and Mary, a young woman who handled scandal in order to faithfully bring our Savior into this world. These women all faced heartbreak, and yet they persevered, ensuring the line of Jesus. Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba were all Gentiles they were outsiders. Their stories show extraordinary faith to the God of Israel, but this was not a God of their own people. And yet, in their stories, they proved to be more faithful than God's chosen ones. Some of their stories seem a little less than proper with some details that may make us good church folk blush. And yet here we read their names as the proud ancestors of Jesus. These stories illustrate for us that in crucial moments in Israel's history, it was outsiders. It was women who were seen as less than in their society. It was the unexpected who carried on the work of bringing God's kingdom to earth in unconventional ways, reminding us that God's kingdom work cannot be contained or prescribed, that God's kingdom work can be messy and unpredictable. I witnessed this kind of messy, unpredictable kingdom work this past year. Back in April, 
One of our local ministries here in Anderson, Clean Start, had to temporarily close due to COVID. Clean Start is an organization that offers free showers and laundry service to those in our community who need it. So in its place, a shower trailer was placed outside of the Salvation Army to help temporarily meet this need. And when I was volunteering with these showers, I was a witness to ministry, a witness to people hearing from God, a witness to people speaking life, a witness to service, a witness to people feeling seen and their stories being heard, a witness to the kingdom of God at work. But believe it or not, these, this, these moments had little to do with the free showers. And honestly, little to do with the volunteers who were helping run it. Instead, these kingdom moments were being performed outside of us by an elderly woman who came every morning with a bandana tied around her face in order to set up a breakfast feast on the tailgate of her car, offering a biscuit and grandmotherly inspiration to all those who needed it. By a person in God's image, speaking life, wisdom, and even some hard truths to a new friend. A friend who never imagined he too would be in need of a free shower. By a generous woman sharing her already sparse resources and a cigarette with another who is struggling even more. By difficult life stories being spoken and truly heard on the lawn. With stale black coffee in hand and nothing else competing for time or attention. This was ministry. This was the kingdom of God at work in Anderson. And it was humbling to know it had nothing to do with us well-meaning volunteers. Some of their stories seemed a little less than proper, with some details that may make good church folk blush. And yet here, the legacy of Jesus was continuing. A legacy that welcomes the unexpected outsider. Not to just watch God's story unfold from the sideline, but to be invited in to play a critical role in the continuing of that story. As Sarah Betsy puts it in her book, Out of Sorts, Everyone gets to minister. Everyone gets to hear from God. Everyone has a part to play in this church and in this world. Everyone gets to speak life and healing, to pray and to serve, to lead and to follow. When it comes to the kingdom of God, everyone gets to play. Which leads us to our epistle lesson from the second chapter of Philippians. We hear that at the name of Jesus, 
every knee will bow and every tongue confess together because of Christ's legacy, a legacy of humility and obedience, even to the point of death, a legacy of looking to the interest of others, of striving for the same mind and the same love, no matter the differences or social taboos. Recognizing everyone has a role to play, even if it may seem untamed and a little wild. This is the legacy that Jesus was born into, the legacy that Jesus lived into, a legacy where no story is too hopeless, where no person is less than, where everyone is an insider with a role to play, where actions and words do not have to be refined and polished in order for God to be at work through them. Sarah Betsy adds later in her book, God is much bigger, wilder, more generous, and more wonderful than you imagined. As we talk about the kingdom of God, let us never forget that God indeed is much bigger, wilder, more generous, and more wonderful than we could ever imagine. And may we humbly and obediently join in with this legacy of Jesus. May we continue looking to the interest of others, striving together to be of the same mind and the same love in order to continue the legacy of Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba, and Mary, the legacy where everyone has a part to play in this church and in this world. Jesus's legacy for us. Amen.